0: Do me a favor and track down a Bible if you can and get with me to Acts chapter 2. It's on page 884 in the Bibles that you can find in the baskets down by your feet. Acts chapter 2, we're in a series now called Grow, and we're looking at some of the things that we could do to personally grow in our faith, in our likeness to Christ, and at the same time, I want to pay attention to how we can grow together as a community of faith and as a church. And so we're going to Acts chapter 2. Now, if you were around back in September, we actually did a little mini-series while we were launching our groups, and we spent a few weeks kind of sitting in this text, reflecting on it, uh, and so, some of this will feel then a bit redundant if you were around back then, but it is so important that I think it's, it's worth revisiting, and, and this is such a key feature of what we want to be as a church and what we're trying to do with our groups uh, that this is well worth our time. So I want to read the text to you, uh, with you, and then we'll pray and we'll get after it. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray once more. God, would you please speak to us through your word? Could we hear your voice today? By your spirit, God, would you speak over us what you want us to be as a church? And give each of us a clear, a clear path, a clear agenda uh, for how we could grow and how we could become more of the, the church that you want us to be. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us open hearts and that you would give us a willingness to obey by faith and that, that, Lord, it would be very clear what you're calling us to do together as a church family, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my prayers and one of the things that I'm very passionate about, I hope I'll look back on my life and my ministry uh, years down the road and I'll see this, this feature. One of the things that I'm trying to do is help people fall in love with the local church. Um, It is very easy, and and I've heard this and I've said this, it's very easy to view the local church as a liability. That if you're thinking about, okay, I want to grow spiritually, and I want to be engaged in some kind of personal ministry, and I want to do what God wants me to do, sometimes we can look at the local church and go, that's dead weight. Like, what I want to do, the church actually prevents me from embracing fully. And so my goal as a pastor is to really help people reverse that trend. For, for everyone in here, I pray that you, that you would fall in love with the local church, and you would see what God does through her as an asset, as something that you value. And you go, man, this is wild. This is incredible. And I don't want to miss out on what God does through his people. And my ministry and my personal growth and my journey are actually helped along and are better for having been committed to the local church. So that's my prayer, and I'm happy then to go to this passage because it gives us a good vision for what the local church can be when we have the right agenda, when we have the right priorities, and when we are willing to let the gospel of God disrupt our lives. And so let's look at this. First thing that we see here is that God gives some agendas for us. He gives us some things that we should be devoted to. The early church, all these people who heard the message of Christ— and gave their lives to him, and were baptized, all these people now, as they begin to gather together, this is what they were doing. They were devoted to these four different practices. And we see the, the agenda there in verse 42, the four things that they were devoted to for spiritual growth. They were devoted. That's the first thing I want you to see. They were committed to this. They were throwing some energy into it. They were persistent, and this is what we do. We are devoted to this. And as we go through the list of these four different items, I want you to be thinking about, could this be said of you? And if not, how could you move toward a greater devotion to these things? Would somebody look at your life and look at how you spend your time and your energy and your resources and your daydreams? Would they look at you and go, obviously they're devoted to this, 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 and this. Let's look at the first one. It's teaching. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The early church was committed to learning. The church is meant to be a learning community, a place where the voice of God comes through very prominently, and the people of God kind of lean forward and listen in, because they want to learn about what God has said, and they want to figure out how that should apply to their lives. Uh, We should be a learning community where we we desperately want to be instructed in the things of God. And that is the posture of the early church. I think that's the, the role of the church today. I don't think it's insignificant that the spiritual leaders of the church, the elders, the one unique requirement, the one skill-based requirement, because everything in the list is all about character and, and you know, ability to manage a household and those sorts of things, but the one unique skill for an elder to be uh, put forward as a potential leader in the church, ability to teach. Elders have the responsibility to teach the community of faith the things of God. And so the church is a place where we should be devoted to learning. And and as individual Christians, we should long for that. That when we come to church, we want to know more about God. And not just knowledge, we're not just looking for more information, but but wisdom. We want to know the things of God and how that would apply in our ordinary lives. We want to know about God and what his word has said so that we could live faithfully. As we go to work and as we parent kids and as we hang out with people that we know and love, we want to learn the things of God. So the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching. We should be devoted to the teaching ministry of the church. And I wonder how you would rate yourself on that scale. Do you come to church eager to learn the things of God, desiring that God's word would be opened and explained to you? Now, as I think about how we could pursue this, uh, there's a handful of things that we can do. We can attend church. I think that's one of the ways that we could show our devotion to it, that we come to church because it's there that as a church family, we're all opening the Bible together to learn. Attending church is a great way to do that. Now, I'm not a stickler about attendance, so if you miss, I'm not gonna you know, hound you down and go, hey, where were you? Were you fishing? You know, I'm not gonna track you down and, and scold you, um, but I do hope that you value our time together so that when you're able, you show up. And sometimes when you're not able, maybe you would even hop online to our website and watch sermons or listen to podcasts, but you, you're devoted to the teaching ministry of the church because you care about learning the things of God together with the rest of your church family. Another thing that we should be doing if we're really devoted to the teaching ministry of the church is not just coming and listening, but going away from here and discussing, so, so I don't just want people to nod their heads while the sermon's going on, going, yeah, 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 that's that's pretty good stuff, or that's mediocre stuff, or whatever's going through your head. I actually would love for you to go away from here, and when you're sitting at Chili's or you're sitting over the lunch table at home, you're talking about it, and you're thinking through, okay, am I really devoted to these things like Corey was talking about? And you're talking through that with family and with friends and with members of, of the community. You're saying is this really going on in my heart? Not just today, but I hope that becomes a, a habit in your life that you would discuss the, the the teaching ministry of the church. I think it's also important that we would have habits where, where we would individually be engaging in the Word, so that Sunday isn't the only time where a Bible is cracked in your life. I hope that there are times throughout your week where you're engaged in some kind of habit or rhythm where you're opening some kind of book or word that, that shows you what God has said and helps you think about how that would apply to your life. Now, for some of us, it might be a Bible reading plan that we're going to read certain parts of the Bible on a daily basis. For some of us, it's a devotional book. It's a book that just gives us a little passage and a comment on it and a prayer under it, and it helps us to think through that. Uh, my sister-in-law, Courtney, she started that recently, and, and uh, just this week, she was saying, Every time I read that, it feels like God is talking to me. And that's what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. If we're devoted to the teaching of the church, there are going to be moments in our life where we're looking at what God has said and we're thinking about how that influences our lives. But I do think that this passage is reminding us we don't only want to do it in isolation. So if some of you do Bible reading stuff on your own, that's great. I would love to see that wed with conversations with real people so that what you're personally reading, you're now talking to other people, going, this is what I'm reading about. This is what I feel like God's doing in my life. And, and, and then you have this level of accountability. You have other people who can pray for you and help you and support you. But I do think that it's important that we would be devoted to the teaching ministry of the church. In fact, there have been studies that show a correlation between spiritual maturity and Bible intake. People who who read the Bible or go to church regularly, have some kind of pattern of Bible intake, it shows up in multiple surveys that their spiritual maturity is pretty high. And so it is a great strategy for us. If we really want to grow, if you're looking for something to do to, be, to, to grow your, your faith in Christ and how that plays out in your ordinary life, Bible intake at church, on your own, connected with community. I think that's all what we're getting after. Now, I do think that it's important then as a church that we do a good job at this, okay? I feel a burden here because I'm looking, I'm I'm thinking through this going, okay, if somebody comes to McChesney Park for a few months, are they going to get some scattered ideas that feel unrelated or is there some kind of way that you could come to church and you could actually feel like you're growing in your understanding of God? And I think a part of the, the pastoral call is to figure that stuff out and design things in a way where you would feel helped along and be growing in these different things. But I, I was studying this week, and one of the things that really surprised me came from a guy named Ajit Fernando, which you, you're looking at me funny because his name is super weird. He's, uh, he's an Indian, and he's from Sri Lanka. He's actually the director of a ministry there. And I heard him at a conference in Chicago uh, several years ago, and I was, I was very impressed by him. And so I've read his books and kept up with him ever since because I want to be a global Christian. I want to know what God's doing, not just in McChesney Park, but across the globe. And so this director of um, Youth for Christ in Sri Lanka, he, he was commenting on Acts. He's commenting on what we're looking at. And he said, a person's desire and devotion to the word is a good spiritual indication of where they're at. If they're healthy, they should desire to be taught the things of God. He puts it like this, openness to being fed by the word is key evidence that one is truly born again. And he's pointing to that fact that Peter said in 1 Peter 2 that spiritual babies should crave milk, the milk of the word, so that by it they might, be, um, they might grow up, they might mature in their faith. And what do we know about babies? If a baby's healthy, they eat. They eat and poop and sleep. That's all they do. But they eat. They love to eat. If a baby loses its appetite, something's wrong. And a Christian should be the, a person who we desire, we have an appetite to learn the things of God, and, and I do think it's a good indication if you come in here and I go, okay, guys, find a Bible down by your feet, and you're like, uh, Bible again. Uh, I think there's something off. I think that we should be people who long for the teaching to help us grow in our likeness to Christ. So they were devoted to teaching. I hope you will be devoted to teaching as well. They were devoted also to fellowship. Look at verse 42. They were devoted to fellowship. They devoted themselves to relationships within the community of faith not just attending things together, but they actually wanted to to know one another. There was this shared experience of sharing in their relationship with God and sharing with one another. And so as a church, we want to embrace this agenda. We want to be people who are devoted to relationships, that we don't just come to church and kind of look over and go, oh, I can't remember their name. Uh, What is it? What is it? But we actually care deeply about the people that we're sitting next to. And we care about the that the entire community is growing in Christ-likeness and we're being strategic in developing the relationships that we have within here and letting that spill over into the rest of our lives as well. In our group, we've been doing this for the last couple of weeks. We've actually been um, charting out our spiritual story. We did a timeline. We said, okay, just write on there, positive experiences, negative experiences. I want to hear the, the you know, things that have formed you. The things that have been significant, the positive stuff, the traumatic stuff, I want to hear that. And we've been going around the circle, sharing our stories, and I am learning things about these other people that I'm doing life with that I didn't know about. And it's been very good for me because now I can pray and I can think and I can understand where they're coming from and all of that's very helpful. And I'm devoted then in these relationships to learning more about them. And honestly, I'd love to have that info for all of you. If all of you kind of gave me your story, I think that'd be really cool and really helpful for me. But I care about the relationships that I'm investing in, and I hope that as a church, we would say, we want to do this. We want to be a place where the relationships are sincere, and we're devoted to this, and so we're going to do things to try to—it might be disruptive, but I want to spend time with other people from my church, and I want to get to know them, and I want to ask good questions— Uh, One of the things that we could do is I I hope you actually come to church and you're eager to come to church and you think, I don't want to be late. Okay, There's going to be a little window on the front end. I could interact with some people. I could get to know people a little bit better at my church because I'm devoted to fellowship. And then you think about the, the little meet and greet time, the minute or two minutes that we spend shaking hands. And instead of being like me, an introvert that's like, oh, I just need to hide while that's happening. What if we actually came to church and we thought, Man, in those two minutes, a, a profound gospel conversation could happen. And I'm not just shaking a hand, looking to the next person, but I'm teeing up and looking at somebody going, what's, you know, what's going on with you? How, how's life treating you? Can I pray for you about anything? And we're devoted to these relationships. As a church, the early church was devoted to fellowship. And I hope that we'll embrace that agenda as well, that we will get to know each other at a deep level. And we won't just attend church sitting in the proximity of other people, but we'll be thinking about how can I develop relationships with other people from my church. Some of us, that means we're in a group. We do life, you know, week by week. We spend time outside of church services. That's tricky. I know some of you think, how could I get more bandwidth in my life to add another thing? But I do think that, the, that group life is a significant part of what we're trying to do as a church. And as hard as that might be, it is worth it. So please do try to devote yourself to relationships. Here's the third thing that they were devoted to. They were devoted to communion. Verse 42, to the breaking of the bread. Um, A lot of the commentators point out this is probably talking to communion, that when they gathered together, they were excited about not just singing songs or hearing sermons, but they were excited about the fact that every person who's a believer was participating in remembering the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ that they were thinking that this is a transformative event, that I get to remember what Christ has done for me. I get to reflect on his love for me. I get to think about how his blood was spilled for my forgiveness. And so I'm taking communion, and I'm excited about that, and I'm devoted to it. I'm committed to church because it's there that I get to do that together with my church family. And so I hope you'd be devoted to that one as well, that you would think about church as a week-by-week opportunity to reflect on communion and what Christ has done for us. Sometimes we're going to take moments like last week where we go, we need to examine our hearts. If we're going to take communion together, there might be something in us that's sideways with God or sideways with another family member. And instead of just kind of going through the motions, maybe what we need to do is call a time out and go to somebody and acknowledge our, our shortcomings, acknowledge our sin, acknowledge that the relationship isn't what it should be. But communion gives us that opportunity to examine our hearts, and to to move toward other people in love. And they were devoted to breaking bread. I wonder if you could share that devotion as well. Here's the fourth thing. They were devoted to prayer, or they were devoted to the prayers. Um, The early church was committed to coming together and lifting up their voices in prayer. And and what I want to be is a church community where that's true of us, where we are a place that people know you come here And together, you're going to pray a lot. People in the front are going to lead you in prayer. You're going to have opportunities to personally engage with God. We want to be a place where prayer is something that we feel we're devoted to. Now, the reality is everything that we do as a church, because we're two years old, a little less than two years old, everything that we try to bring on board is new and requires work. And so obviously, we're not you know, an established church with all of these systems in place. But one of the things that we're trying to do is grow in our ability to pray together. And one of our on-site elders, Bruce Browning, he said, look, I'm passionate about this. I'm going to take this one on. And we're going to do things on Sunday mornings that will help more people engage in prayer. Activities that we could do together, ways that we could pray as a church family, trying to help to make sure that we can say we are devoted to prayer. If you come on Sunday morning, you're going to get an awful lot of prayer. That's a good thing. I hope that we will devote ourselves to that. And even if we're not doing it at church, you can continue to do that. You can talk to God. You can say, I'm going to be, throughout the course of my week, I'm going to be praying for my church, my church family, and, and all that that means for me. And so they were devoted to prayer. So here's my question. We just looked at the four different agendas that were laid out. If you were to rate yourself, how would you, how would you do? If you were to zero to 10, I'm very committed, I'm a 10, or you know, not doing this very much. Uh, Honestly, as I did that for myself this week, I thought, you know, pretty mediocre, pretty low on the the scale. But I want to be a church where we're moving together toward a devotion to these different things, to the teaching ministry, to our relationships with one another, to taking communion together, and to praying together. I want to be devoted to these things. I want people to look at me and our church and say, these people are devoted to this thing. Now, what is it like when a community embraces this agenda. And that's what we see in verses 43 to 46, a description of the life of the church. When we pursue God's agenda, this is what happens. This is what it looks like. First off, we find out that it is a a community that is spirit-filled. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles that what was going on in the early church, people were acknowledging the spirit of God is working. The spirit of God is doing something here. And we want to be that kind of church that's so spirit-filled that we can't explain what we do simply because of our talents and our abilities. I don't just want to do church in a way that's manageable. I want to step beyond our natural giftedness and see the Holy Spirit of God working through us so that people are awed by it. These people experience the power and the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is at work in their lives and in the life of their community together. That's the kind of place that I want to be a part of, and that's what they were experiencing here. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I hope that we become a place that people say, that is a spirit-filled community. That is a place where the Spirit of God is on display. His power is evidenced in the way that they love each other, the way that they live their lives, the experience that they share. We want to be a spirit-filled community. Another thing that you see when that agenda is pursued is that the community comes together. There's this commonality, verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So what's it like when you say, fellowship is part of my agenda? Well, you actually experience it. You have relationships then. You you see each other at Sunday morning and you go, man, I love this person. I'm so glad we're doing this thing together. You hang out outside of Sunday morning as well. They had everything in common, and they were together. Now, this doesn't mean we're all going to be identical. Like, I'm different than some of you guys. I'm very different than some of you guys. But when we come together because of the fact that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, there's this shared experience. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think our our society is longing for that. Imagine a place where people come together with all of their differences, but there is this commonality there, and it's a safe environment, and you can know and be known, and that's what they experience here. That's what I hope we we can experience as well. Not only were they together, they also shared what they had. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were willing to look at what they had and use it for the sake of the community. They were willing to think through, okay, if somebody in our community has a need, we are going to come around them and try to meet that need for them. Now, this can show up in a lot of different ways. I was thinking of examples that I've seen at play in our community. So, you know, the Greenfields, one of their daughters had a surgery. When the church is doing what it's supposed to do, people come around them and go, okay, what do you need right now? Meals? Okay, we'll provide meals. You need rides? Okay, we'll provide rides. You need, what do you need? You need help financially? We're going to figure that stuff out. But that's, when the church is doing what it's supposed to do, there's not only a shared experience, but a willingness to legitimately care for each other. And so I, I hope that we'll be thinking about, if somebody in our community has a need, we should try to meet that need. And, and, and if, if you have a need right now, I I hope that you would have the courage to share that, that you would find me after church and say, hey, Cor, here's what's going on. My family is really struggling right now. Here's what's going on. I say, okay, let's figure out collectively how we as a church family can come around you and support you and encourage you during this time. That's what it's like to live in in a church where this stuff is happening. Finally, they were committed to being together, verse 46. Every day, they continued to meet together in temple courts. They had this passion to be together. Um, They desired to gather together. They had a habit at that point to meet daily, but there was this rhythm of, when my church family gathers, I'm there. I don't want to miss this thing. And many of you guys kind of have that rhythm in your own lives that when we have a Sunday morning, it's snowy, it's icy, and you're here. And it's like, man, you guys are crazy. But you just love to be here, and that's a good thing. They were committed to being together because it's such a magnetic community. And I hope that that's what you experience here, that you long for coming to church and being with the rest of your church family. Finally, let's let's see what happens next. Verse 46, they were practicing hospitality. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. When you embrace God's vision for church, it disrupts your home life, and that's okay. When you embrace God's vision for the church, it disrupts your home life. They opened their doors to one another, and they shared meals together. Now, I am an introvert, and that idea freaks me out. Um, I think about my table and my food and my stuff, and I think, I don't want a lot of other people intruding on this. I'm a private individual. That's my coffee. That's my dessert. But, But when you allow the vision of the church to disrupt your life, it actually is fun. The group that we have, we have coffee and dessert every week, or sometimes we have meals, or sometimes we go out. And, and no longer am I kind of, you know, dreading, like, oh, i got to clean the house, i got to do this. I like it. I like when people come over, and I'm socially awkward, and that, you know, that's weird, and I don't know what to say, and I don't know how to act, and I'm strange, and you shake a hand, hug, I don't know what to do here. But I love it now because people are coming into the home And we're having meals together, and we're eating with glad and sincere hearts, and people can see Christianity has a place in ordinary life. Christianity isn't just a thing that happens on Sunday morning. It's something that influences parenting and meals and and all these different things and bedtime routines and all of that. It, it, It just spills over into all of life. And the early church was practicing this kind of hospitality, breaking bread in their homes and eating with glad and sincere hearts. They were were happy about it. They were enjoying it. And and that's been my experience as well. Uh, I want to share with you this resource. For anyone who's in a group presently or wants to be in a group, there's a resource that I think is really important. Uh, This is a book by Rosaria Butterfield. It's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Um, Rosaria Butterfield uh, is a professor she was a lesbian and a gay rights activist in Syracuse, New York. And um, she, was writing, she was in the process of writing a book on why Christians are so intolerant. And Promise Keepers, which is a Christian organization, came to her town and put on an event. So she wrote an open editorial critiquing that ministry. And she definitely got some pushback from a variety of people, but she also got a little note in the mail from a pastor who lived in her neighborhood, And the note in the mail from him was, my wife and I would love for you to come over and have a meal with us. And she thought, well, that's weird, but I'm writing a book, and I don't know all the details of what Christians do, so this is free research. So she goes to have this meal, and she keeps going back over the course of a couple years, weekly meals with with this man, his wife, their family, just doing life together. And what happened over the course of that stretch? The gospel became plausible. It became something that she saw there is power in this thing. It isn't just something to be critiqued. It's something that they're living, and it is beautiful. And she gave her life to Christ. And then, lo and behold, she married a Presbyterian pastor. And now her and her husband have decided, they moved into kind of a sketchy neighborhood, and they say, here's our policy. We're going to have an open-door policy. And we're going to invite people from our neighborhood over to our house every Tuesday. They can come if they're sober. They can come whenever they need to, but, but our house is open. And this is the, kind of the memoir of that experience. is talking about doing hospitality in the ordinary stuff of life. Now, that sounds crazy, but it's also very doable. Any of us, most of us have a kitchen table, right? And we can think about how that could be this mission state, state, station for our community, where we could begin to invite people into our homes believers and unbelievers, and see the glory of God on display as we eat together with glad and sincere hearts. And I hope that you will embrace that. I think that's going to be such a powerful thing moving forward, as people need to see whether or not Christianity is worth anything. And we, we should be able to say, come to my house, spend time with us. We're going to do some things together. I'd love for you to be a part of it. They practiced hospitality, and I hope that we as a church, We'll embrace that, that we will think through, how can I be together with other Christians, inviting other people in as well? Um, I, know it's, I know it sounds crazy. It'll be totally worth it. Now, here's the result. Let's look at the results of, of uh, what happens when we do this. Verse 47, two things. Number one, it's a worshipful experience. When you embrace God's vision for the church, you actually end up praising God quite a lot. When you embrace God's vision, as disruptive as it might be, you get to the end of it and you go, "This is wild. The Holy Spirit of God in my ordinary life is doing stuff in the lives of other people. This is incredible." They were praising God. They were praising God and 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 I guess I just want to say this as I was reflecting on it this week. I'm praising God for you guys. Like already, I know we're we're moving in this direction. We're trying to pursue this stuff as an agenda, but but Sunday morning rolls around and I'm not I'm not sitting around going, "Oh, I got to do this again." Uh, i got to go meet with these guys. i got to go preach a message. I look forward to this. There's a joy about this. As we embrace God's agenda for our specific church, there's a joy that I'm, I'm praising God for you guys. As I pray for you, I, I think about you, and I think, man, this is wild. These, these people, and we're so diverse in different backgrounds and different church experiences, different things that we care deeply about, and I think about all of that, and I praise God for you. But I hope that as we embrace this vision for the life of the church, that you'll have that experience as well. You'll worship God because of what he's doing through your life. Here's the second thing that we see as a result of this uh, willingness to embrace the vision. We'll be on mission. Verse 47, they were enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We will enjoy being on mission, we will, we'll, we'll enjoy having the favor of all these people. They're looking at our lives and they're looking at our church services and they're not, they, they probably won't say, I'll just be honest. I don't imagine a lot of people coming to our Sunday morning going, whoa, that was crazy. That was so cool, the music and the preaching. It, at least on my end, and I'm not saying anything about the worship team, but at least on my end, I'm totally comfortable with people going, well, that was kind of mediocre. But what I hope that they'll do is they'll walk away and go, when they spend time with you around your table, they'll go, man, I want to be with these people. And God will give us the favor of everyone because we're living out our faith in the ordinary stuff of life. I think when we do this, we will be on mission and people will see it and they'll be intrigued by it. And and they'll want to participate in it. And they'll come to Sunday morning because then they get to see other Christians doing this thing as well. But I think that if we're on mission, then we're going to enjoy the favor of the people. And here's what it says. The Lord is adding to their number daily those who are being saved. I think when we embrace the vision for the church, people hear the message of Jesus Christ. They see it lived out and they embrace it. They trust him for their salvation. They, they, they recognize we're not just a bunch of performers. We're not coming to Sunday morning, putting a smile on and pretending everything's fine. We're a bunch of desperate people Who day by day and week by week are relying on the grace of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And they're gonna see that, and they're gonna want in as well. And they're gonna place their faith in Him and experience salvation. And by God's glory, I think if we do this, God will add to our number. We will grow as a church community because if we're being real and we're applying the gospel to ourselves, other people are gonna want in. They're gonna see that and go, that's beautiful, that's compelling that's intriguing. I want to be around that. I want to experience that. I want to share in that. As the band comes, I want to share with you um, a quote from one of my favorite. Uh, he was a pastor and a missionary. Uh, he's from the UK, but he did his mission work in India. And his name's Leslie Newbegin, and, and he said it like this. He, he thought a lot about the church and the role of the church in missions. And he, he said this, the, the congregation or the local church is the hermeneutic of the gospel. Now that's a weird word that only pastor people talk about, but hermeneutic is the science of understanding. If it, when you do hermeneutics, basically you're looking at a document or a text or a paragraph and you're going, what, what do these words mean? What did the author intend by them? And, and what does this actually mean? And Leslie Newbegin says, the church is the hermeneutic of the gospel. You want to understand the gospel? He's suggesting, look at the church when it's healthy. You want to understand the power of salvation? You want to understand what Jesus Christ came to do? Look at these people. Look at how they're living their lives by faith in the Son of God. The church is the place where the gospel comes alive. You can see it on display. And I hope that all of us will embrace that agenda. We'll be devoted. We'll be devoted to learning the things of God. We'll be devoted to praying together. We'll be devoted to spending time together in our relationships. We'll be devoted to taking communion. We'll be devoted to the church. And as a result, God's glory will be on display through you. Through you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you give us clear pictures of the beauty of your bride. And we want to embrace that, God. We we, we want to, as a church family, say, yes, yes no matter how hard that might be or how unusual it might feel. We want to go after that. And Lord, would you be glorified in our church family? Would you help us to be real in the way that we relate to one another and and help us, Lord, to by faith embrace the the agenda you're giving us? Lord, we, we want to do everything you want us to do, so help us to have courage and faith to walk with obedience. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.